Would you turn with me to the book of John, please, this morning, the gospel account of John. For some weeks on Sunday mornings, we've been ministering on the subject of the glory of God. How many believe that's a good subject? The glory of God. The more I get into the subject, the more I see how limited an understanding that we've had of the glory of God. So many times when you say the glory of God, people only think of like one area. They might think of the cloud of glory. They might think of the light of glory manifested. And of course that is the glory of God. But if that's all you think about, that's a very limited understanding. It's a big subject. And how many believe God is a glorious God? Glory means weight. It means heavy. I think a word we might use in our vernacular today, substantive. Substantive. We might even use the word quality. How many understand that uh, in different situations, if you're talking about quality versus poor quality, then sometimes people say, oh, that's a little light. You know, that's poorly constructed, poorly made. What about this one? Oh, this is a good heavy one. This is well constructed. It's heavy. It's solid. Well, how many know God is heavy, solid, (laughs) quality, all of his things? God doesn't make any junk, does he? He makes good, heavy, solid, quality things. Now in John, the book of John, anybody remember our text where it's at? John 14 and uh, 21. Jesus said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. I'm going to read from the Amplified here now. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and will show or reveal or manifest myself to him. I'll let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. How many like that? That the Lord told you if you obey him, he said, I will let myself be clearly seen by you. I will make myself real to you. How many have a desire in your heart for God to be more real to you? To see him more and clearer. To know him better. I mean, any true child of God, that's one of the strongest desires that you have. How many have a strong desire? I mean, you know, you won't see his fullness in this life, but you know soon and very soon you'll see him face to face. How many looking forward to that? Are you excited about that? You're going to see him face to face and know him so much better and more fully. But you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to see more of him and know more about him. He said, if you obey me, I'll reveal myself to you. Right now? Now back up to John 11, if you would. John 11. This is the account of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. John 11, verse 39. Jesus said to Martha, take away the stone. And she said to him, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, said I not unto you? In other words, didn't I tell you? 
that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. Didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Does faith have anything to do with seeing the glory of God? Does believing have anything to do with it? Should we believe for the glory of God? Should we use our faith? Should we expect? And of course, here's a good word. Faith prepares. Faith gets ready. Should we get ready for the manifestation of the glory of God? That's a little weak. The answer is yes. For everybody. Right? What are you saying, Mother Key? That's what we are doing. That's what this series is about. We are preparing. You know, we've talked about numerous things, adjustments that we should make in our thinking, uh, things we should not do when God's glory is manifested. And the Lord, you know, believe with me, hook with me now, because I'm not just preaching to myself, right? I could have stayed at home and done that. This is about you, right? This is about you, and uh, God's getting us ready. God's preparing us for what he's planned for us and how far we can go in these things and how much he can manifest is going to have to do with how well we respond to him and how much we yield to him. And if we don't do things that hinder him. Now, there's a number of things I got in my heart right now I'd like to get into with you. Adjustments that should be made, things that our thinking should be changed about. But I can only do it as the Lord will allow us and as you're ready to hear it. It's a fact. And uh, one aspect of it is, you know, how excited you are, which would mean how much faith you have that God's manifesting himself in our midst and that he will. And if you believe that and if you're excited about it and you're looking forward to it, then you want to be getting ready for it. Right? You want to be getting ready for it. Good example of that, I mean, you know, this is Thanksgiving and, and Christmas season. Little kids get so excited when you're getting ready, right, for Christmas. Why? They're in faith, right? They're in strong faith that they're going to get presents and good presents, right? And they're so convinced that they're going to get them and they're so expectant that it's not going to be long till it excites them. Well, that's the way it is with big kids, too. Right? And how many know the best presents you can't put under the tree? The best presents are God's presence. Right? God's very own presence. His glory, His goodness, His power manifested. I trust you the same way. I have no interest in playing church. You understand what I'm saying? I have no interest in building an organization, in just running a business of a church. I have no interest in just coming and playing and being religious and pretending and playing holier than thou. have no interest, no interest. If I wasn't convinced, if I didn't believe in God, if he wasn't real to me, if I didn't have faith in his word, I wouldn't be here this morning. I'm serious. I have no stomach for hypocrisy. Do you? No. I think it's one thing uh, that the church has had a problem in its representation to the world because so many people are so phony. 
And sinners know that. They can tell there's nothing to it. They can tell it's just a bunch of put on and a bunch of hoopla. And they see how the people talk when they're in church. And then they see how they live. Did you hear me? And there's no victory. And there's no reality in their life. So why should they want it? Oh, but God is real. I said, God is real. He does hear and answer prayer. The word is powerful. You can have victory in your life. You can get your needs met. You can be happy. You can be full of joy. You can. How many experiencing at least some of this? Oh, how many recommend it to other people who don't know God? Oh, there ain't no better life. There is no better life. No, no, no. Well, that's what we're talking about. He said, I told you, if you'd believe, you'll see the glory of God. He said, I told you, if you keep my commandments, you do what I tell you to do. I'll love you and I'll reveal myself to you. Well, that is the reality of God manifested in our lives. Hallelujah. Is your desire like mine? For the when people come into the church here, it doesn't bother me in the least. If they leave after service and somebody said, who was the preacher there? And they couldn't remember. That wouldn't bother me. I, I assure you, I could care less. They said, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, but God was there. Oh, God was there. Now that's church. I said, that's church. God was there. God was manifest. Well, I can't produce in and of myself. You can't produce in and of yourself the manifestation of the glory and the presence of God. Oh, but there's something we can do. We can believe for it. I said we can believe for it. We can expect it and we can get ready. We can prepare. Now, a number of things we've already gone over. We looked at uh, what the glory of God is. And we talked about uh, that we are the house of God's glory. We talked about that one of the things that allows him to manifest, that he responds to, is a speaking of his glory. You've heard the phrase, speak of the devil. And it's not surprising that in the world, that's the one that'd be popular. Why not speak of the Lord? You understand what I'm saying? Why? I mean, if you're going to coin a phrase, why not say, well, speak of the Lord. <laughs> Instead of what? Well, speak of the devil. And you're talking about somebody just walked up and you're talking about them. And then you can bring the devil in on it. Well, see, the devil wants in on anything and everything that he can get in on. And that's why the whole world's in a negative, ungodly bent. But no, we looked in the scriptures where that after Jesus had been crucified and raised from the dead. You remember those two disciples were walking along the road to Emmaus and they're talking about the Lord, talking about the Lord, and they looked up and there he was. The disciples in the room with the door shut, they're talking about him and talking about what had happened and they looked up and there he was. You get to talking about him, talking about what he's done, talking about his goodness, talking about his power and his glory and you'll look up and... There is presence will be manifest. Don't talk about the devil. Don't talk about demons. Don't talk about ungodliness. Don't talk about sinful activities. Ephesians says there's a lot of things that the ungodly do we ought not even mention. Right? We ought to talk good things. Because whatever you talk is what's going to be manifested in your life. So speak of the Lord. 
And that's what we're doing in these sessions too. We're talking about him and we're talking about his glory. Now, in our last session, we got into sanctifying the Lord in the eyes of the people. Sanctifying the Lord before the people. Now, listen to these scriptures. Isaiah 42 and 8. You don't have to turn to these, just listen. Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. Did you hear that phrase now? The Lord says, my glory I will not give to another. Listen to Isaiah 48, 11. Isaiah 48, 11. He said, for my own sake, even my own sake will I do it. For how should my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory to another? Is God strong on this? Yeah, and there are numerous reasons why. But just accept it and believe it. God says, I will not share my glory. I will not give my glory to another. 1 Corinthians 129. 1 Corinthians 129 says that no flesh, no flesh should glory in his presence. Everybody say that out loud. No flesh. flesh. Glory. In his presence. Well now. That's what we're talking about. Is his presence. Manifested. In our midst. We're expecting this right. We've had some manifestation. A little. I want a lot. How about you? We've had some. Thank God. Thank God. And you know. The Lord is very wise. Sometimes people are hollering. You know the Holy Ghost manifestation is compared to rain. Like the rain falls. And you know, in rain, you got all different degrees. You got precipitation that's so light, you can barely discern it. And then you've got a little light shower. And then you've got a rain. And then you've got a deluge. You got a flood. A lot of people think, Lord, send us the flood. I mean, this flood. Well, the ground's got to be ready. Right? Or it won't receive. It'll just run off. And so a lot of times what people are really, you know, more able to handle is a little light shower. I know they're wanting a flood, but they're not able to handle the flood. You know, we had an unusual service. What was it, uh, last Friday night? If you weren't here, then you missed out on that. And uh, one reason I bring it up is because, like, the Lord had me say this, what, about a month or so ago. uh, You don't want to be unprepared. Everything that's happening in the services is adjusting us and getting us ready and adjusting us. And if you lay out and you're not in services for six months and a year and you show up, then you may not be ready to take it. So what do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, if your thinking hadn't been adjusted over a period of time, you hadn't been acclimated, you may think, oh, that's strange. Oh, that's weird. I don't know. Uh-uh. I don't want to do that. And think you're rejecting men and wind up rejecting what the Lord's doing. And judge yourself unworthy of it and get left out. And so it's important that you come along, you know, all of us together, that we're getting changed and getting tweaked with this message and that message. And our thinking has changed and our faith is fed in this area. And we yield in this area. Then we yield here. Then we yield here. And you're able to yield to the next step. Do you see it's progressive? Do you understand? It's progressive. So uh, there should be a good reason. You know why you're not... 
uh, in the services when the Lord directs you. If he directs you to be somewhere else, fine. Be there. But uh, watch out that you don't let, you know, the enemy is always trying to bring something to knock you out. Have you noticed that? If you listen to him and you let things come up in your life, then you won't pray when you should. You won't read your Bible. Uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, fell off the wagon on their chapter reading. Somebody said, how do you know that? I just know it in here. Uh, somebody said, well, what's the big deal? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a failure to put God first in your life. Did you hear me? And it's a lack of being disciplined when you let anything knock you out. You don't try to do stuff. You do it. Did you hear me? You don't try. So, well, I won't pray the key. I'll try. It's not for me. Right? It's for you. And it's before the Lord. Man shall not live, Jesus said, by bread alone. But by what? Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Does your spirit need to be fed the word on a regular basis? Is there any substitute for the Bible? No. no. Thank God for good messages and books and tapes and TV programs. But there's no substitute for this book. It is 100% pure word of God. No artificial additives or preservatives or somebody's opinion. Amen. Right? Amen. You should let your eyes rest on pages and words and read and feed your spirit on a regular basis. That's why you've heard me say it so much about reading our chapter every day, Monday through Friday. If you've gotten off, there really is no excuse. There's forgiveness. But there's no excuse. I understand real Christians, serious Christians who love God, they read the Bible. Right? Serious Christians who love God, they pray. Right? Serious Christians who love God, they go to church and, and they're involved in serving the Lord in different ways. So very, very important now uh, to get back on that and get focused in that. It just affects your life. And the reason I say it, I'm, you know, this is not any feather in my cap. Like I said, you know, I, it's for you. It's for your benefit. But the reason I'm saying it, because I have this thing in my spirit. If you go long enough and you don't read your chapter and you don't pray. And you miss enough services long enough, you wind up behind. Did you hear me? Behind. And then things come up and you're not ready. Your faith is not ready. God begins to move in the church in a certain way and you think it's strange. And you don't know how to respond because you hadn't been trained all these months prior to this. Are you with me? And I don't want to see anybody get left behind like that. Right? So uh, follow your heart. Don't just hear me. Don't look at me and say, well, I don't know if I agree with you or not. Forget me. See what the Lord's saying to you about these things. Check with him. See what he says. Whatever he says to you about it, great. You cool with him, you cool with me. We begin to see here that, uh, well, what chapter are you at right now? You're still in John 11? Uh, We begin to see how that we're to sanctify the Lord in the eyes of the people. We went back and studied. Who was it? Anybody remember? We looked at Moses and Aaron. They messed up. Right? What did they do? Moses, fine man of God. Such a fine man. But he messed up on this day. He was supposed to do something the Lord told him to do, and he endeavored to get glory to himself. He said, here now, you bunch of rebels, are we going to have to get water out of this rock for you? What's this we stuff? What? 
The Lord told you to do something. And he didn't do it. He hit the rock with a stick. And it wasn't just a simple technical mistake. Oops, he hit it instead of spoke to it. No, no, it's much more than that. He's trying to take some of the credit and glory for this miracle. And that's why it was so serious and why it was judged so severely. Did we talk about, who was it, Nadab and Abihu? You remember them? Two of the top ministers of the day. And God moved in a spectacular way. The fire of God was manifested and the people saw it. I mean, the fire of God came down out of the sky and licked up all the offerings and consumed them. And all the people were going, whoa, wow, whoo. And I mean, in the middle of, how many understand in a time like that, what is it time to do now? It's time to glorify God. It's time to give God. God, you're awesome. You're amazing. You're wonderful. Oh, glory to God. Worship God. And in the middle of that, these two preachers stood up and took their uh, censers that they put incense on and they put fire on them. And they're prancing around out there in the middle of the people holding up the fire. Why? Why? How many know sometimes, many times, it is not time to stand up and be seen? It is not time for you to stand up and prance around. It is not time for you to stand up so people can see you and hear you. It's a time for you to not be seen and not be heard. Did you hear me? And some of these situations are so serious. What happened to them on that day? Do you remember? The fire consumed them. They died right there on the spot. It reminds you of Ananias and Sapphira. In the New Testament. In the book of Acts. What happened to them? God was moving in a wonderful way. I mean, the Bible said uh, even everybody outside the church had great respect for the church. And I mean, uh, money was flowing. People were selling lands and houses and stuff and bringing it into the church. And I mean, major things. Everybody was so free hearted that nobody said, that's my stuff. If somebody needed it, they gave it to them. And they were just ministering in fluent love and liberty and generosity. And these people stood up in the middle of this. And pretended to give something, not because they loved God or loved the people. They wanted to be seen that, oh yeah, we're big givers too. Oh yeah, we sold our old home place and we don't care. We just want to give it all to the Lord. They fell dead that day. Why? Because they're trying to take glory. They're trying to take credit to themselves. Now, we're getting ready, right? For the, how many believe God can move just as strongly right here in Branson or anywhere in the world? He could move just as strongly in Faith Life Church as he moved in the church in the days of Acts. How many believe that? Certainly he can. Is it his will? Yes. Well, we don't want any Ananias and Sapphiras. Right? We don't want any Nadab and Abihus. Right? So I'm working on my mentality. You work on your mentality. Let's learn when God moves. Let's learn when it is not time for us to talk. When it is not time for us to be seen. Let's learn how to not in this false uh, humility stuff, but in true humility, give God the glory that is due him and not try to take credit for something ourselves. Now let's look at something that has to do with the zeal of the Lord. Because this all goes together. 
Say that phrase out loud, please. The zeal of the Lord. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to uh, Numbers 25. Numbers 25. Well, there's so many good things along this line, so much in the Word, I have to pause and look, make sure. This is a subject that you may not have heard that much about, but it's important because for us to be ready, we must think right. We must have some zeal for the Lord, some zeal for the glory of God. You could say it like this. We must be protective of his credit and his glory. In Numbers, the 25th chapter, you find a story And uh, if you don't understand it at first, just hold on. We're going to talk about it. But the people of God have really missed it. This is one of the low points in the record of God's dealing with them. God warned them, do not join yourself to the idols. Don't worship these idols. Don't join yourself with their ungodly practices. And this is what they did on this occasion. They joined themselves to what was called Baal uh, Peor. Chapter 25 and verse 1, Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Now here's something that you notice and you can see the enemy is doing his best to move the world this direction right now. In among the ungodly uh, nations, their idol worship, so many of their idol worship involved fornication. They would go to church and have relations with strangers. That was part of their worship. And uh, this is appealing to the flesh. And you can see in the world that there is more and more of a move. I mean, uh, sex is talked on every corner. And there is this move that everything's okay. You know, it's not really an affair. Uh, fornication is not really that big of a deal. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to move the whole world so that what he'd call free sex. And this was involved in yielding to the devil. And when you yield your body to wrong things, you yield your spirit too. And you wind up with wrong spirits. You can't do weird and stupid stuff with your body and your spirit stay all right. And so that's what was going and judgment came. And the people were judged. Many of the people of the Lord were killed and died as a result of this thing. A lot of them. And... In verse 6, one of the children of Israel came and brought into his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now let's just stop right here. A lot of the people of God have died over this deal, judgment, and right in, people are standing in their tent doors crying because they've lost family members. 
over this sin. And here comes a man and brings one of these ungodly women, probably one of the temple prostitutes, into the camp and into his tent. Everybody knows what for. How many understand this is an insult in the face of God? Right? He's going to participate in fornication and idol worship in the middle of the camp. And all the people have just been judged for it. Well, Phineas or Phinehas, depending on how you pronounce it. The son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. He rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And went in after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. Verse 10, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my wrath away from the children of Israel. While he was zealous for my sake among them, I consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore, say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. Now, you know, we live in a different day and a different covenant. I don't want you to go around spearing anybody. <laughs> Obviously, how many understand in the New Testament, it says we struggle not against flesh and blood. We realize, you know, today, see, these people weren't even born again. Different covenant, different day. Same God, right? God hasn't changed. Our covenant with him has changed. Our relationship with him has changed. He hasn't changed. But what I want you to see, what was it good about what the man did? There was something about that that enabled God to bless him and enabled God to turn away his wrath and judgment was spared. Why? Because of his zeal for the Lord. He stood there and he thought, no, you don't. No, you don't bring that ungodly whore in here and all our people are we having funerals everywhere because of these people and you're going to bring her right up in here in the presence of God no you don't zeal did you hear me see we live in a world of everything's okay you know what I mean by that we live in a world we live in a society of uh, oh it's okay no big deal let it go. It's not a big deal. Well, some things are a big deal. Right? Some things are a big deal. And you and I are to be fervent about the Lord's glory. Right? We're to be fervent and zealous about His honor. Right? How many understand there's some things should not happen in the church? There's some things should not happen in a service. Some things should not happen in the facilities and in the operations of the ministry and the church and the things of God. Well, go on over to the book of John, please. Gospel account of John in the New Testament example, John 2. Said out loud, the zeal of the Lord. See, some people have left the impression... That if you're really spiritual, they have this idea of God, I should say it like this. They think God is totally emotionless. They have a picture of God. 
He's sitting on the throne somewhere far, far, far away. And he's old. He's real old. Got a long white beard. And if you'd see him emotionless, expressionless, never gets glad, never gets mad, never gets sad, just always. But that's not true. I said, that's not true. The truth is, God's a whole lot like you. You might say, oh, no, no, but, oh, yeah. No, yes, he is. I didn't say exactly, I said a whole lot. You know, what if we took two of these uh, chairs here, these theater seats, and we held them up? What if I said, this seat is exactly like this seat, but this seat is nothing at all like this one? Does that work? Can't work. If this seat is like this one, then this one has to be like that one, right? You and I were made in the likeness and image of God. That means we are like him. What else does that mean? He's got to be something like us, right? If we're like him. Of course, minus the perversions and sin, right? But you, you know, I won't take the time to do it, but you go through the scriptures and look it up. You'll find God gets mad, right? Oh, yeah, he can get very angry, but never out of control. Never. That's why the scripture tells us, be angry and what? He didn't say, I command you never to get angry. No. Some things are going to make you angry. Boy, it got quiet. Did you hear that? Did you say? People believe something besides the Bible. Just because you got angry doesn't mean you've sinned. How many remember the scripture in Ephesians? Be ye angry and what? Well, if getting angry is a sin, it's too late. You've already sinned when you got angry. No, getting angry is not a sin. It's what you do with it. Right? It's how you yield to it. So even though you do get angry, be in control. Be in control of your emotions. Be in control. See, there's no such thing as somebody said, well, you know, I just got so mad, I just lost control. And I beat somebody up. And I kicked the wall in. And I just got so mad, I just slapped them before. No, 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 no. No. You're completely responsible for everything you said and did. And you did not have to do it. And you should not have done it. There's no excuse for it. There's forgiveness for it, but there's no excuse. Like I've said before, you know, you you take men that beat their wives up. Inexcusable. Did you hear me? There is no excuse for such a thing. You got a few wives that beat their husbands up. (laughs) Same thing. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Beating your kids up. Slapping people around. Knocking people around. Well, I just got so mad I couldn't help it. That is a lie. Don't tell it again. No, like I said, you know, you take some of these guys that just can't keep from beating up their 130 pound wife, can't help it, put them beside a linebacker, you know, 6'6 and weighs 275, some way or another they keep from slapping him, some way or another they can control themselves, huh? No, why? Because people do what they can get away with. There is no excuse. And saying, I got mad. I, well, whoop-de-doo, I've been mad too. 
We've all been mad. I don't mean you start slapping people around. Are you with me now? Now here's the deal. If you yield to that kind of thing and yield to it and yield to it and yield to it, well then you'll just do it without thinking. But that's because you've yielded to it so much. Break yourself. I said break yourself. Get a hold of yourself. Control yourself. Right? If you need to, bite your lip. If you have to, run out of the room. I'm serious. Till you learn better control. You haven't sinned just because you got mad. God gets mad. He's slow, though, to anger. (laughs) Really slow, like you and I should be. When he gets mad, there's good reason for him being mad. Took something to get him that way. And then he gets glad. The Bible talks about God rejoicing. Talks about God singing. The Bible said God can be grieved. Bible also tells us that God can be vexed. Vexed and grieved. We don't want to do that. We don't want to vex him. We don't want to grieve him. Well, look at this instance. Talking about the zeal of the Lord. John 2. John 2 and 13. 2.13. The Jews' Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money sitting. And when he made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables. You suppose he was mad? I think so. Yeah. Was he out of control? Never. Was he doing exactly what he intended to do? He didn't just fly off the handle in a rage. He saw it. If you read other uh, passages, you get the understanding he had seen this before. He saw it. It upset him. It angered him. And he left. Did you hear me? He left. Prayed. Thought about it. And one time when he came in there, he... (laughs) He obviously, how many believe he was led by the Spirit in everything he did? He was led by the Spirit to do this. He was angry, but totally in control. And I mean, he he had a whip in his hand, right? People try to soften this, but this was, you know, uh, he's hitting animals. He's maybe hitting people. I guess he is. And kicking tables over. And they had all this money on them and all this stuff and merchandise. And I mean, this stuff went flying. Tables are flying. Money's flying. Doves are flying. Cows and goats are moving. And people are moving. He cleared this place out. Right? He cleared it out. And uh, this is what he said. Verse 16. He said to them that sold doves, take these things out of here. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. His disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal, the what? The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Was this, this was something that was strong in him, was it not? Strong in him. Why? Because it was disrespectful to God. Right? He has a zeal 
for the honor and the glory of God. If you read the other passages, he said, it's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Let's just stop right there. What is a house of prayer? It's a house where the presence of God is. Where people talk to God. Where people praise God. Right? Where people worship God. And in that environment, is God not going to manifest himself? Where people are talking to him and praying to him and worshiping him and praising him. But what had happened, this thing had degenerated into a market atmosphere. Are you with me? I mean, there was haggling over stuff and there was bartering and it just felt like you're in a store. It felt like you're in a mall. And it's the house of God. Right? Be zealous for the Lord's presence. This place is to be holy. Oh, come on now, guys. Are y'all with me? This place, uh, you know, not just the physical structure, but there should be a spiritual environment. Right? Where we walk in here, we leave everything else behind. Is that we leave the cares of the world behind? We leave fear and anxiety and the needs and hustle and bustle of business. We leave it all out there. Problems with family, leave it all out there. And we come in here and say, God, you got our full attention. Yeah. This is your place. This is your time. We're all ears. Amen. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. How many believe if a whole group of people come in like that every time, God's going to show up. He's going to show up. He's going to manifest himself. His presence is going to be manifest. And as it begins to manifest, we're not going to start popping up and drawing attention to ourselves or trying to make like we made this happen. No, no. We should grow to the point where if we just come in here and are quiet the whole time. If you sense the presence of God strong enough and he's moving and working, what needs to be said? He's doing it. Or if we all want to put our face on the floor. Worship God. Or if we all just want to praise the whole time. Whatever. Whatever. We want to be open and yielded and receptive. But you must have this zeal, this fervency, this heart. Zealous for the glory of God. You'll find every man and woman of God that gets close to God and really loves God, they are not passive about these things. Things that dishonor God, they get aggravated about it. Did you hear me? I mean, you know, thank God there's a, we've been going along real good here. I'm so thankful. But once in a while, a little something come up and I have to say, uh-uh, no, 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 no more. Nah, that doesn't go. Why? Because something stirred up in me. I'm thinking, no, that's not respectful. That doesn't respect the word, doesn't respect the spirit, doesn't respect the Lord. Well, those kind of things have to be dealt with quickly, strongly, right? Some other things, they're not a deal. No need making a deal out of them. Some things are. Go to Romans, please, and let's talk about this. I think we can close. The disciples, remember, I'm going to Romans 12. The disciples, remembered they said uh, it's written in the Holy Scriptures. The zeal. The fervor of the love for your house, the Amplified says. The fervor for the love for your house has eaten me up. Another, The Amplified in a note says, I'll be consumed with jealousy for the honor of your house. It should bother you 
When other people and things get glory for what God did. That should bother you. I've had people in healing school. And God worked on them so wonderfully. I mean, they were at death's door. And in three weeks time, they were 85% better on their way out. And they go off and tell somebody they gave the glory to some herbal supplement. Did you hear me? That's a good way to lose your healing. If God showed you something good that could help you, fine. But you understand, no doctor can heal. The vitamins don't heal. God heals. Right? He can use something to help you and thank God for it. But don't give the glory to the doctor. Did you hear me now? Don't give the glory to the medicine. If you feel like it'd help you, use it. That's fine. But then give the glory to God. You're in here and you get blessed in a message. Don't give me the glory. Right? Give God the glory. Don't give the church the glory. Give God the glory. Something work out good for your finances. Don't give the sales the glory. Don't give the situation. Have enough sense to lift up your eyes to see where this is really coming from. Where's really, I mean, we saw what happened here, but that was just a vehicle. That was just a tool that God used. He's the one met your need. He's the one healed your body. He's the one brought you out so he should get the glory. See, there's something in us that, uh, you know, that's irked when somebody uh, misplaces the credit. Right? You know. Uh, let's say somebody, uh, you know, tried to tell you, somebody tried to tell me one time, they said, well, I heard that you had some rich cat uh, bankrolling the church over there. <laughs> I said, yeah, we got a rich one, all right. Big rich one. It's our Father God. No, nobody's just stepped in here. But how many understand that uh, you've been going here, you've been sowing, God, you've been believing for money to pay off seats and things. That don't bless you for somebody to try to give all the credit to somebody that we don't even know, that doesn't even exist actually. Right? Who should get the glory for everything that happens? God has used the people. Amen. And the partners. But God has done it. God has done it. How many have a desire you want everything to happen in your life in such a way that he gets glory? He, he's seen. He's magnified. There, you have to watch out for situations then like, you remember like Abraham. After the battle for, you know, the people of uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and God used him to win. And he got his family back. And then the kings came and said, you know, give us the people and you can have all the money. You can have all the stuff. What did he say? He said, no. Mm -mm. Why? Why? He said, lest you say you made me rich. I don't want it to be said that any man made me rich. What's he saying? I mean, he got strong about it. Because he knew what was going on. See, these guys would then turn around and say, yeah, we're the ones that did it. Yeah, we're the ones that made him what he is. He said, I won't take a shoelace from you now. Uh uh-uh. I don't want it to be said. You made me rich. What? God's going to get the glory out of me being rich. Does God get glory out of you being rich? Yeah, when it comes his way. When he does it. Say it out loud. God's going to get the glory. Come on, so get strong about it. God's going Well, let me read the scripture, then we'll all get strong. Are you there in Romans? 
12th chapter. What does it say in verse 11? Romans 12, 11. Not slothful. Not lazy. The one translation says never be lazy in your work. It says, but what? Fervent. Fervent in spirit. Uh, that word is translated hot. You're not cold in spirit. You're what? Hot. You got some fire about you. You got some flame about you. You got some zeal about you. Right? Hot in spirit. Doing what? Serving the Lord. The living said, never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be hot in your spirit. Be fervent. Somebody tries to give the glory to you or to somebody else, to something that God did. You go, ho, ho, whoa, whoa. No. No, sir, no, ma'am. What happened to you? You know, it's kind of like I was up in the northeast a while back. And a minister had been there. He'd been there for years. So I said, so you're a native. I believe it was Connecticut. You're a native of Connecticut. I was trying to ask him what they called a native of Connecticut. Connecticutan? <laughs> R-E, you know? He said, no, sir. I'm a Texan. <laughs> I said, oh, is there, he's been living up there pastoring for 15 years, but he wanted me to know in no uncertain terms he was a Texan. He was born a Texan. He'd always be a Texan. Right? He's a long ways from home, but he's a Texan. And that's where you and I need to be, right? Somebody come up and they try to give the credit for something and say, well, I see that that went into remission. Well, I see that you got on your diet and that fixed. I see, well, I see so-and-so, you know, gave you some money. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. No, God, God healed me. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't mince words. God healed me. Now, sometimes people look at you strange like, oh, because they don't believe in that. God's not real to them. That's all right. That's not your problem. But you make sure that you don't just stand there and take the credit for something that he did. You don't just stand there and let somebody give all the credit to something else for what God did. Be zealous. Be zealous for his glory. Right? Be jealous for his honor. Be fervent in your spirit concerning the glory to God. Stand up on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.